Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to invite you to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Today is a day of first. We've had a lot of those days in the last several months together, but today we had Sunday school for the first time. We changed our worship service, had an early service, earlier than normal for the first time. And now we have 11 o'clock crowd and uh, appreciate you guys being here. But the the blessing of being in the 11 o'clock crowd is that we stumbled our way through taking the Lord's Supper at the first service. And so we're going to do it better this time. All right. So before I even get started, as you're looking for 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm going to go ahead and give you some instructions. In the pew in front of you, you'll see the Lord's Supper. There, there's bread there, and there's juice as well. If you're in the balcony, it's behind you on the ledge or in front of you on the ledge. So you may need to go get yours, all right? And uh, it should be there. You can go ahead and get, up, get it now if you want to so that you'll be prepared. There are 12 Lord's Supper cups in the middle section and eight on each pew in the outside section. Yeah, I'm telling you, it didn't go well this morning. So if you don't have one if you'll raise your hand Larry is in the back he will bring you one so that you can be ready to take the Lord's Supper together when we get to that point of our service there is a cellophane tab on the top you're going to pull it off and just going to give you access to the bread or what they call bread I really think it's styrofoam then after we take the styrofoam you're going to pull that other container that other cellophane tab off and you're going to take the juice so we're fixing to have another first, all right? You're going to serve yourself the Lord's Supper this morning, we hope. And if it don't work, just forget it. We'll do it later, all right? Me and you will. We're going to make our way as best we can through this this morning. COVID has changed a lot of the way that we do things, even in the way that we're able to share the Lord's Supper together. It has been a year since our church has shared in the Lord's Supper. Our plans, of course, usually we share in the Lord's Supper at Christmas time. We usually share, we didn't last year, we usually share at the Lord's Supper at Easter, and of course we weren't able to be meeting together on Easter. And I have this uh, conviction about the Lord's Supper that I, I believe that the Lord's Supper and I believe the biblical instructions in the Lord's Supper is that it is to be enjoyed among the body of Christ. It's why we didn't do the virtual Lord's Supper because I do not believe that that is, an, that is a correct application of the Lord's Supper. I've put it off and I've put it off until I cannot put it off any longer. We need to share in the Lord's Supper together. So I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and we're going to be reminded about what Paul teaches us about the Lord's Supper and then I'll instruct you in taking the Lord's Supper and we'll enjoy it together. October the 31st, for most of us, is known as Halloween. When we think about October the 31st, most of us immediately think about Halloween. But there is something that happened in church history on October the 31st that is truly significant, not only for our taking the Lord's Supper this morning, but for who we are as Protestants. You see, on October the 31st, in the year 1517, Martin Luther nailed on a church door 
the 95 Theses. This 95 Theses was 95 complaints that Martin Luther had against the Catholic Church. That was the beginning of what we know as the Reformation. It was the beginning of the building of the Protestant Church and what we are as Baptists as well. Inside that 95 Theses, those 95 complaints that Martin Luther had against the Catholic Church, most importantly was the manner in which men were saved and forgiven for their sins. Martin Luther helps us to understand that that man has a right to appear before God himself. There were no need for indulgences to be paid to the church in order for you to be saved. You could interact with God. You had a right to read the scriptures and to interact with God and the Holy Spirit in the midst of his scriptures. Also, a large part of the Protestant Reformation was our understanding of the Lord's Supper. The Catholic Church believes differently than we believe about when we approach the table. Transubstantiation is the doctrine that Catholics believe as they approach the table. They believe that as the priest consecrates the bread and the juice, that very literally the bread becomes the body of Christ and the juice becomes his blood. So it is, in a sense, that you are ingesting the very body and and blood of Christ so as to somehow regenerate your soul. And the early church fathers, in the midst of the Protestant Reformation, of course, stood in opposition to that and viewed the table as we view it this morning, that it is a remembrance. It is a reflection for the New Testament church on what Christ has done for us and the new covenant that he has established on our behalf. This was was a difficult thing for the Protestant church in earlier days. As a matter of fact, you probably know this person from history as Bloody Mary, but it was a queen of England named Mary. And in 1555 through 1558, as the Protestants are continuing to try to reform the Catholic Church, Bloody Mary burned at the stake 288 men, women, and children because they believed what we believe about taking the Lord's Supper. You see, sometimes we approach the Lord's Supper table and even the other ordinance that we have in the church, the Protestant church, the Baptist church, that of baptism, sometimes we approach those two ordinances without a real good knowledge and understanding of what those who have gone before us have done on our behalf to be able to approach the table as we do. Those men and women died so that we could take the Lord's Supper to reform the Catholic Church so that we might have today an opportunity to take this supper in remembrance of our Savior. But of course, as important as that is in the human history, Jesus Christ has come to us and Christ has died upon the cross. He has sacrificed himself freely, giving up his body, freely shedding his blood so that you and I might have salvation. And we come to this table this morning with the bread. We come to this table this morning with the fruit of the vine to be reminded of the deep price that Christ has paid on our behalf. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper on the night before his crucifixion. And here we are, 
going to enjoy the Lord's Supper together this morning, being reminded of its significance by Paul as he is writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to begin reading in verse 23 to listen to Paul's instructions before they approach this table. Paul says, verse 23, 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly... We would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. And about the other things, I'll give you directions when I come. Let's pray. God, we are grateful, Lord, for this morning that we have to come together and to celebrate, Lord, the Lord's Supper. To be reminded, God, to be reminded of your sacrifice, to be reminded, Lord, of the shed blood on our behalf, to be reminded, God, of our salvation, Lord, to be reminded of the price that was paid so that we, so that we might be saved. God, this morning we are a church separated. We are divided by time. We are separated by the hour, God. But Lord, may you in this moment, God, just supernaturally unite us around the gospel. And may you, Lord, use this time as you did in the first service, God, to remind all of our hearts and to to speak to all of our minds, God, to remind us that we are a part of something bigger, even bigger than this room lord we're a part of something bigger and that is the the body of christ and so lord unite us this morning in the taking of the lord's supper around your gospel message lord if in this room we need to examine ourselves and if we examine ourselves lord and find that we are in need of salvation god would you would you let your holy spirit speak clear to us this morning and and god remind us lord that it's just by faith, by believing God and your grace, Lord, we can, we can be saved today. So, Lord, help us, God, as we approach the table to do so, Lord, in remembrance. We love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for loving us. We pray and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Three things I want to remind you of this morning. Three things that I think Paul reminds us of that is so important for us today to consider before we take the Lord's Supper. The first thing is, is that when we share the Lord's Supper together, we are making a proclamation. 
When we share in the Lord's Supper together, we are making a proclamation. We are proclaiming actually more than one thing. Obviously, when we are sharing in the Lord's Supper, we are recognizing the bread as Christ's body. When we are recognizing the cup as Christ's blood, new covenant, we are proclaiming that we are saved. We are a part of the family of God. We are recognizing that Jesus Christ has done something for us that we could not do on our own. We are making a proclamation that we believe the gospel. We believe Jesus' intent for coming to the earth. We believe and we have professed that belief that we are solely saved by Jesus Christ. But we are also making a proclamation that we belong to Jesus. You see, when we take the Lord's Supper together this morning, we are making the proclamation to everyone else in this room that we belong to Christ. As I was preparing for this this morning, I I went back and read the the actual occasion in the Gospels where Jesus was sitting in that upper room that night. And and as he was there with his disciples, knowing that the cross loomed over him, he sits at that table. He sits at that table with those people who had followed him now for three years. And as he takes that bread at that table and he breaks it and he shares that cup with those people at that table, There was no one in that room except those who professed Jesus as his Savior. There was no one in that room that was just there out of curiosity. The people that were gathered around that table with Jesus were his, those that had walked with him, those who claimed to be his disciples, those who had seen him perform miracles, those who had heard him preach this new gospel, this new covenant. Those people at that table, they were his disciples. And it's similar for us as we've gathered this morning. When we come before this table and when we take this bread and when we take this cup, yes, we are proclaiming that Jesus is our salvation, but we are also making a proclamation that we are his disciples, that we belong to him, that we trust in him, that we desire an intimate relationship with him, that we want to walk with him. We are making this proclamation that we are his This is why I think Paul says that you ought to evaluate your own hearts, right? He says you ought to examine your heart when you come before the table. Because only those who belong to Jesus, only those who are his disciples can appropriately and properly take of this bread and take of this cup. You must in fact be his in order to properly take the Lord's Supper. And this is the first question for us. As we consider this this morning, examining our own hearts, approaching the table of the Lord's Supper, we should ask ourselves, do we belong to him? Can I honestly make the proclamation that I am a disciple of Jesus? It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're without error. I mean, look, consider those guys that were sitting around that table with Jesus. They would fail him soon. They would deny him quickly. It doesn't mean that we're without any errors. It doesn't mean we don't have any faults. It doesn't mean we haven't ever stumbled. But it means that we identify ourselves as disciples of Christ, straining towards Christ's likeness. You are making a proclamation this morning to everyone else in this room and, of course, to Christ as well, that you belong to him when you share with us the supper. The second thing I want you to see from this is one that you know all too well. It's that when we share in the Lord's Supper, we are remembering his work. 
the very elements of this Lord's Supper, the bread and the fruit of the vine or the juice, the very elements are identified by Jesus himself to remind us of his work on the cross. He says, this bread is my body. The bread is identified with the body of Christ. And he says, this fruit of the vine or this juice, this cup, this cup is the representation of my new covenant, the new covenant that I have established. The bread was his body. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, again, as he's sitting around that table that day, he is breaking the bread himself and distributing it to the men that are at that table. You see, Jesus is giving us another picture as he's breaking that bread and distributing us. He's reminding us that he will put himself upon that cross. Jesus' voluntary willingness to humiliate himself, to despise the scorn and the shame of the cross, willingly stepping upon that cross, Jesus broke the bread himself and he handed it to those disciples that day. Jesus' body was given for the very purpose of death. Jesus' body was given for the very purpose of sacrifice. Jesus' body was broken so that we might enjoy salvation. This is my body, which is for you, he says. As we take this bread, we are recognizing that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus in bodily form to save us from our sins. That God sent Jesus in bodily form for the sole intention of sacrifice and death. When you take this bread, it is in remembrance of Jesus' body and the death that came to his body. He says, this is my body. This is bread is my body. And he says, this cup, this cup is a representation of the new covenant in which I established. Now, we know, because we know the Old Testament well enough to understand, that the Old Covenant was a sacrificial system. In order to be made right with God, in order for your sins to be atoned, you had to make sacrifices. And not only did you make sacrifices, but the priest made sacrifices on your behalf. You brought him the best that you had, and, and he would sacrifice it for your atonement. And those sacrifices would have to be made year after year after year after year. They were a consistent, ongoing sacrifice that had to be made on your behalf for the forgiveness of your sins. But Jesus says, this cup is my new covenant. Because you see, in the Old Testament, as those lambs or those birds or whatever animal it was that you brought to the sacrifice, as those animals' blood would be shed for only a temporary forgiveness of your sins, Jesus' blood that is representative in that cup would be done once and for all and never to be sacrificed again. So Jesus is saying what once, what once took time and time and time and time again now has come new. And in my blood, your forgiveness is done and paid for once and for all. It's why we don't have to ingest the blood of Jesus anymore. Because Jesus' blood that was shed upon the cross, it paid for my sinfulness. And it paid for yours. 
And as we take this cup this morning, we have to be reminded, not only was Jesus' body broken on our behalf, but Jesus' blood was shed like that lamb in the Old Testament, except it was shed once and for all and never again to be shed. We are, rem- we are reminded or we remember the work of Christ as we look at these very elements that we are about to take. We're making a proclamation that we are, in fact, Jesus' disciples. And the last thing that I want you to see this morning is that when we share in the Lord's Supper, we are feasting in fellowship together. Again, this is why I've waited so long to do the Lord's Supper because I wanted us to feast in fellowship together. I wanted us to do it all together. And I understand that We don't know when that time is going to be. So this morning, we're going to feast together in our fellowship. If you'll go back and read beginning in verse 17, you'll see that Paul is writing into a church that is dysfunctional. He is writing into a church that needed Paul's help. He was writing into a church that was divided. He was writing into a church that needed to be unified around something. If you go back and read all of 1 and 2 Corinthians, you can see that their church was riddled with dissent and division over small things and over significant matters. They were divided over everything you could imagine. They were divided over spiritual things. They were divided over biblical things. We're not divided over those things this morning. We're divided physically, but praise God, we're not divided spiritually. The thing that brings our fellowship together is that our hearts are joined, if even not with one another in our presence, our hearts are joined around the gospel. We fellowship this morning around the truthfulness of the gospel. We fellowship this morning over the blood of Christ and the body that was broken. We fellowship this morning together, if even apart at different hours, we fellowship around the truthfulness of the gospel. This is what has joined us together. I have said it time and time again, and I believe it to be so true. You and I, each and every one of you individually, We are never going to agree on everything. And praise God, we don't have to. We just have to agree on the gospel. And as long as we can agree on the gospel and the supremacy of Jesus and his body and blood on our behalf for our sins, nothing else really matters. So while we might be divided in time, And we might be divided in space. I assure you, as a body of believers, whether you're an 8.30 or 8 o'clock worshiper, 8.30 worshiper, or 11 o'clock worshiper, we are united around the gospel. And so we feast today, individually, but together. We feast together because of that fellowship that we have around the gospel of Jesus. Be reminded, as Paul was retelling this story that he had heard he says about the taking of the lord's supper he says that there was the body the bread and there was the new covenant and the blood or the cup the first thing he says is he says that we ought to pray we ought to pray and then we ought to take so what we're going to do is i'm going to pray and then i'm going to read the scripture about the body or the bread and then you will take 
And then I'm going to pray, and we're going to read the Scripture about the blood of the new covenant, and then you are going to take. God, would you bless, Lord, this bread? And God, as we take it into our bodies, Lord, we are not signifying that it is actual body of Christ. We are signifying it represents your body that was broken on our behalf. Lord, we were saved. We don't need to be saved again. We've been redeemed. Our sin has been cast because of your brokenness. God, it was the payment of your blood that gives us the ability for the forgiveness of sin. So God, as we take this bread, Lord, would you remind us of the brokenness of your body? We pray and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. It says, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray again. Dear Heavenly Father, we also come together this morning to, to remember the blood. The blood that was shed once and for all, never to be shed again. Lord, our sacrificial system, Lord, has already been accomplished. It was accomplished in your work upon the cross. And Lord, as you bled and as you died, the spotless lamb was paid for the sins of man. And God, we celebrate that this morning. If, if, Lord, just taking this cup, Lord, which might seem so insignificant to the world, is so significant for us. This cup, Lord, is a reminder of everything you fulfilled in the Old Testament. This juice, God, it is a reminder of the power of the cross and all that it accomplished on our behalf. And so, Lord, as we take it this morning, Lord, remind us of the sacrifice that has been paid. We pray and ask this in the authority of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This morning we come, we come not for salvation in the cup, and not for salvation in the juice. We come for remembrance. When we take the supper, we're making a proclamation that we are Jesus' disciples. When we take the supper, we are making an announcement that we believe in the work of Jesus Christ. And when we take the supper, we are fellowshipping together around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we stand and worship here now, would you remind us, God, of the blessings of your scripture? That the truth of this gospel that we have talked about and that we have proclaimed in the last few minutes, God, the truthfulness of that gospel is found inside of your word. And God, as a result of what we know to be true about your word, God, we come to this table today and we can celebrate as your disciples reflecting on your work, God, and fellowshipping together around the gospel. If not all together, we are together around the gospel. What a blessing for us as a church this morning.
God, be with us as we continue to worship. We pray and ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.